Last week we looked on Leviticus chapter 1, specifically the burnt offering. And we discussed very quickly some of the, just a quick overview of what we were to expect in, in Leviticus or looking on the sacrificial system. Uh, chapter 1 dealt with the burnt offering. And we understand that the, we went through the details rather of the, of the burnt offering and what was expected by the Lord. And in just a quick overview, some of the highlights of that. And one thing I, when I was, I ended on, 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 on Tuesday of last week, something I wanted to share. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1. Revelation chapter 1. John writes to us as he receives the revelation from the Lord. He said, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants, things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signify it by his angel unto his servant, John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Verse three says, blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come and from the seven spirits which are before his throne and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And had made us kings and priests unto God and his father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. What did the, what did the Lord said to John as he writes to the seven churches that are in Asia. Verse 6 tells us this is what the Lord, how the Lord sees us, his people, his body, and had made us kings and priests Unto God and his father. To him be glory and dominion. Forever and ever. Amen. So we understand from this passage of scripture. uh, The priestly worldview. That the Lord recognized his children. I hear echoing in the. 
Okay. That the Lord rec recognizes his people as his priests. So we are not ordinary. And in the book of Leviticus, we will see some of the functions of the priests. And we recognize what high calling that we have as believers is no ordinary. Uh, Paul said we're a, we're a peculiar people, a whole nation. Now, last week we, we, we touched on also uh, the, the need uh, for the burnt offering, or what one of the what, one of the purposes, what it re, what it represented, is a life that is surrendered to the Lord, uh, man seeking peace with God. Uh, because if we re recall in Genesis chapter six and verse three, or after the fall of man, uh, the heart of man became wicked and corrupt and the Lord said my spirit shall not always strive with man for that he also is flesh yet his day shall be 120 years Genesis 6 and verse 3 God has something to say with man he is against the actions he's against man and his behavior verse 4 tells us that uh, that the sons of God, uh, they came in unto the daughters of men and they bear children, uh, which were mighty, uh, men which were of old, men of renown. And the Bible said in verse 5 of Genesis 6 that God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on earth and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man. I am going to destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. God's wrath against man. Man out of fellowship with God. God. Justice is wrath to be poured out upon man and so if you have any problem with the video just turn the equipment off and on the web presenter sorry about that and so the burnt offering, as we quickly review, is man presenting to God a gift. It's a gift where the blood of the animal becomes the substitute, or the animal itself rather becomes the substitute. Substitute because man has now inherited a corrupted nature. And no man can go to God on his own ability. That's why when Jesus was fulfilled, uh, the sacrificial system, and not only fulfilled it, but brought it to a higher uh, dimension. And Jesus said, that no man can come to the Father but by me. 
and John uh, stated, that's John the, the Baptist, the immerser said, behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of this world. No man can come to the Father but by me, signifying that if any man wants to have peace with God, it's through Jesus Christ. He's, he, he is the offering that can guarantee peace with God. And so uh, John said, Behold the Lamb of God that comes to take away the sin. It speaks now of the, the nature of sin. That word sin is singular. And the burnt offering was, uh, it, it, it gave atonement for sin. Not, not a specific sin per se, but the nature of sin, the corrupted nature of man. It gave man the ability to approach God and to find peace with God. And it is, it is, it is significant because as we go on to the other sacrifices, then we will see other sacrifices that are given for our, uh, our errors or transgressions, different types of sins that we may have committed and what is required uh, to have those um, sins forgiven. And so the main purpose of the, bur the burnt offering, as we discussed, the passage of scripture tells us that it was to find this aim was for man to have peace with God. Peace with God. And so tonight, very quickly, we'll be looking on Leviticus chapter 2. Leviticus chapter 2, and let us read. Reading from the New Living Translation. When you present grain as an offering to the Lord, the offering must consist of choice flour. You are to pour olive oil on it, sprinkle it with frankincense, and bring it to Aaron's sons and priests. The priest will scoop out a handful of the flour moistened with oil, together with all the frankincense and burn this representative portion on the altar. It is a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Special gift, pleasing aroma to the Lord. The rest of the grain offering will then be given to Aaron and his sons. The offering will be considered a most holy part of the special gifts presented to the Lord. If your grain, if your offering is a grain offering baked in an oven, it must be made of choice flour, but without, but without any yeast. It may be pres, may be present presented in the form of thin cakes mixed with olive oil, or wafers spread with olive oil. If your grain offering is cooked on a griddle, it must be made of choice flour mixed with olive oil, but without any yeast. Break it in pieces and pour olive oil on it. It is a grain, 
it is a grain offering. If your grain offering is prepared in a pan, it must be made of choice flour and olive oil. No matter how a grain offering for the Lord has been prepared, bring it to the priest who will present it at the altar. The priest will the priest will take a representative portion of the grain offering and burn it on the altar. It is a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. The rest of the grain offering will then be given to Aaron and his sons as their food. This offering will be considered a most holy part of the special gifts presented to the Lord. Do not use yeast in preparing any of the grain offerings you present to the Lord because no yeast or honey may be burned as a special gift presented to the Lord. You may add yeast and honey to an offering of the first crops of your harvest, but these must never be offered on the altar as a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Season all your grain offerings with salt to remind you of the of God's eternal covenant. Never forget to add salt to your grain offerings. If you present a grain offering to the Lord from the first portion of your harvest, bring fresh grain that is coarsely ground and roasted on fire. Put olive oil on this grain offering and sprinkle it with frankincense. The priest will take a representative portion of the grain moistened with oil together with all the frankincense and burn it as a special gift presented to the Lord. This is the, the grain offering or the cereal offering. Here we have in Leviticus chapter 2 chapter is divided into three paragraphs uh, one to three deal with with the cereal offerings of uncooked grain verses four to ten cook cereal offerings and eleven to sixteen miscellaneous rules about cereal offerings in going through these various offerings, last week we dealt, dealt with the, the burnt offering, now the cereal offering. One of the many things that we notice, and we have stated this last week, is that God dictates what is expected of the worshiper. And what will be accepted of him. The Lord does not accept any and anything as proper worship. The Lord instructs us clearly as to what he expects. Now, in the book of Leviticus chapter, chapter 2. And the law here makes it very clear what the worshiper must do and what the priest's duties were. 
Uh, the second paragraph deals with the three different types of cooked cereal offering. And the third paragraph de deals with some of the miscellaneous items. A number of rules govern governing the use of all types of cereal offerings. Uh, the cereal offering, the Hebrew word for it is minha. It's a kind of tribute from the worshiper a faithful worshiper to his God or to God. It's a gift to his God. Here we understand that the children of Israel who were worshiping the sovereign God was bound by a covenant with God. When the Lord delivered them out of Egypt as slaves and freed them, intention was to worship their God. If we recall, Moses had said to Pharaoh, let us go that we may worship our God. And so, bound by a covenant, they had a responsibility to express their faithfulness by bringing uh, this cereal offering to the Lord. And this helped the worshiper to remain in good standing with his Lord. Because as we recognize in the scripture, the aim of the offering, it is a special gift a pleasing aroma to the Lord. It's a special gift that provides a soothing or a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And the cereal offering symbolized the dedication of a man's life and work to God. He brought his normal food to the priest and he declared his willingness to keep the law. He has taken on the yoke of the covenant that he has with the Lord. What the Lord expects of him is what he desires to do. It is no different as we look on these principles in the life or in our lives as believers that there is a call of dedication. A call of dedication. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 tells us and so dear brothers and sisters I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Give your bodies, surrender your bodies to the Lord because of what he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind he will find acceptable. The 
kind that is a, a pleasing aroma to him. This is truly the way to worship him. That's what the scripture says. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. What's, what's the right way to worship him? To offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Here we understand that nothing less than this is acceptable of the Lord. Verse 2, verse two of Romans chapter 12. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. By changing the way you then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Hebrews 13 and verse 15. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. The grain offering or the cereal offering was presented in the morning and in the evening. Um, we find evidence of this in 1 Kings chapter 18 and 36, 2 Kings 3 and verse 20, which referred to a specific time of day. Also should be noted that the, the grain offering is offered along with the burnt offering. Here we can understand, brothers and sisters, what took place when Cain and Abel went up to worship. Bible said that Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. His sacrifice, his offering was founded on blood. And that was not something that was new to him because we have evidence in the scripture that God himself clothed Adam in garments of skin signifying the shedding of blood Noah himself also killed and performed a sacrifice on an altar unto the Lord 
And so here, Abel's sacrifice to God was established on blood. He's desirous of drawing near to God. His aim is to have peace with him. So he took of his flock animal and sacrificed it to the Lord. Cain also offered unto the Lord of his first fruits. But he did not offer anything to the Lord with blood. There was no substitute for his sinful nature. Nothing to deal with the pending wrath that was over him. In other words, Cain offered without faith. His attempt was virtually to present himself and his property to God, property to God, as if they had been under no curse. Does not see his need for peace. Does not see his need for the blood. He wanted to be accepted by his holiness. Never saw the need for the shedding of blood. So, brothers and sisters, Hebrews 13 verse 15 says, Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God, that provides a pleasing aroma to God. A Christian person, a Christian individual is called to be as regular and diligent in rededicating himself to Christ's service as the men of ancient Israel. Just as in this grain offering or the cereal offering, which is offered up uh, twice along with the burnt offering, uh, One's life must be dedicated to the Lord, rededicated every ever so often to the Lord. Because since we have drawn near to God, finding peace with Him, we want to uh, to join, to agree, to please Him, to fulfill what He requires of us. So. Here in the cereal offering, we recognize that the aim and intention of it is for us to provide a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Let's look back at Leviticus chapter 2 and verse 1. 
the Lord says, when you present grain as an offering to the Lord, the offering must consist of choice flour. God desires the best. Whatever we offer to the Lord must cost us. Cannot be any and anything. He said you are to pour olive oil on it. Sprinkle it with frankincense. And bring it to Aaron's sons, the priests. Again, we see that this is not a passive act. The worshiper selects choice flour. The worshiper pour olive oil on it and sprinkle it with frankincense. This is not cheap. And he brings it to Aaron's sons, the priests. And what the priest does, the priest scoops up a handful of the flour moistened with oil together with all the frankincense and burn this representative portion on the altar. It is a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Just a handful of it. But look at verse 3. He said the rest of the grain offering will then be given to Aaron and his sons. The offering will be considered a most holy part of the special gifts presented to the Lord. By burning on the altar a portion of the offering, the entire or the remaining portion is considered a most holy part of the special gifts presented to the Lord. Here we understand from this also that our relationship with the Lord, when we come in the presence of the Lord, holiness should always be on the forefront of our minds. We should always remember that God is holy. Verse 4, very quickly. said, if your offering is a grain offering baked in an oven, it must be made of choice flour. But without any yeast, it may be 
presented in the form of thin cakes mixed with olive oil or wafers spread with olive oil. If your offering is cooked on a griddle, it must be made of choice flour mixed with olive oil but without any yeast. Break it into pieces and pour olive oil on it. It is a grain offering. If your grain offering is prepared in a pan, it must be made of choice flour and olive oil. No matter how a grain offering for the Lord has been prepared, bring it to the priest who will, who will present it at the altar. In this passage of scriptures here, we have several different ways as to how uh, the grain offering may be prepared. And this specifically deals with the one that is cooked. Verse 4 tells us, must be again made of choice flour, but without any yeast it's unleavened it's made with choice flour without any yeast I know sometimes we will quickly refer to the the yeast as a type of sin uh, but in this as it relates to this we cannot we cannot emphatically um, state or declare that this is what the Lord is saying because if we if we pay attention to uh, the scripture that speaks about the the shoe bread that's in the tabernacle before the most holy place and that one actually had yeast in it and so sometimes we have to understand that the Lord will dictate what is accepted from what is not accepted he says no yeast should be added to the choice flow and we remember the Passover in Egypt coming out of Egypt when they prepared that dough because of how quickly they had to leave it was unleavened, meaning there was no yeast in it also. And the Lord actually stated that he admired their actions, that how quickly they left Egypt, not even uh, worrying about preparing the dough and adding yeast to it. They were quick to respond by faith to what God was doing. And the Lord commended them for that. Uh, so we cannot um, state as to why the Lord himself, um, in verse 4 here, um, dictated that no yeast should be there. Uh, but that is the Lord's command. That is what he requires. Brothers and sisters, uh, that's why sometimes uh, with our relationship with the Lord, you often hear sometimes in church, sometimes we don't understand some things. It might be clear to some others, 
But sometimes as believers, we may not understand why the Lord is leading us a certain way or why the Lord is doing so and so, such and such. But by faith, we have to accept it. Verse 5 says, verse five says if your grain offering is cooked on a griddle, it must be made of choice flour mixed with olive oil, but without any yeast. Break it in pieces and pour olive oil on it. It's a grain offering. If your grain offering is prepared in a pan, it must be made of choice flour and olive oil. No matter how a grain offering for the Lord has prepared, bring it to the priest who will present it at the altar. The priest will take a representative portion of the grain offering and burn it on the altar. It is a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Special gift, pleasing aroma to the Lord. The rest of the grain offering will then be given to Aaron and his sons as their food. The offering will be considered again a most holy part of the special gifts presented to the Lord. Do not use yeast in preparing any of the grain offerings you present to the Lord because no yeast or honey may be burned as a special gift presented to the Lord. So here in verse 11, we understand the Lord does not want yeast and honey to be burned on his altar. Verse 12 tells us, you may add yeast and honey to an offering of the first crops of your harvest. The Lord doesn't have a, a problem with yeast or honey. One, one, It is said that in those days that the children of the world in their idolatrous act, in their offering of incense to their God, they would they would incorporate these ingredients, yeast and honey. And if we do a special study on that word, we recognize it's not even speaking about honey as honey from the bee. But it's a kind of a syrup that is made from dates that they use to add sweetness to their dough. And so it is said, or it is considered because the other nations were doing it, the Lord did not want his people to do as the other nations were doing it were doing and so he refuses to have yeast and honey on his altar so is it brothers and sisters the lord can tell us or dictate to us what he accepts and what he refuses Verse 12, he tells them, you may add yeast and honey to an offering of the first crops of your harvest, your first fruits. You can add yeast and you can add honey. But these must never be offered on the altar as a pleasing aroma to the Lord. It will not 
be pleasing to me. Brothers and sisters, do we understand that is not what we think is pleasing to the Lord. We can become emotional, carry out any form of worship or praise with exuberance and all feel good about what we're doing. But the Lord still has the right to refuse and to accept he said, season all your grain offerings with salt to remind you of God's eternal covenant. Never forgot, forget to add salt to your grain offerings. And here we see now salt in the Old Testament is connected with covenants on two occasions. If we look at Numbers uh, chapter 18 and verse 19. I'll just read that for you quickly. It says, All the heave offerings of the holy things which the children of Israel offer unto the Lord have I given thee and thy sons and thy daughters with thee by a statue forever. It is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord unto thee and to thy seed with thee and also Second uh, Chronicles chapter 13 and verse 5 we can possibly read that one at a later time but salt was something that could not be destroyed by fire or time or any other means and to add salt to the offering was a reminder that the worshiper was in an eternal covenant relationship with God. This meant that God would never forsake him. And also that the worshiper had a perpetual duty to uphold and to keep the covenant. The salt reminded the worshiper of that. And also... Verse 14 said, if you present a grain offering to the Lord from the first portion of your harvest, bring fresh grain that is coarsely grown, ground and roasted on a fire. Put olive oil on this grain offering and sprinkle it with frankincense. The priest will take a representative portion of the grain moistened with oil together with all the frankincense and burn it as a special gift before the Lord. So, the Lord asked for frankincense and oil to be added to it. We understand from this that frankincense added to it made the aroma all the more pleasing. And it in the, in the Old Testament, we recognize at times analogies made between prayer, rising up to God, and the smoke of burning incense doing the same. 
So here we have a picture. All this smoke goes up to the Lord. And the Lord says, it's a pleasing aroma to me as long as it is done in the manner that I have commanded. It is pleasing to me. And so likewise, even the prayers that goes up to the Lord becomes a pleasing aroma to him. I started out by when I when I spoke about the cereal offering and the Hebrew word for it, which is minha, which also speaks of prayers offered up at a certain time. So here we have a leaving from our worship, our lips, our heart. Because everything that we do is an act from our heart. Or everything that we give to God should be an act that is coming from our heart. Our prayers to him. Just like the cereal offering which is offered every day. Twice the burnt offering. Our prayers should be going up daily. Our worship, our heart of dedication to him should be going daily to the Lord as a sweet aroma or a pleasing aroma to him. First Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19 tells us, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself. You're owned by God. Our bodies are not our own. We're in a covenant with the Lord himself. We do not belong to our own selves. Not only our bodies, but everything that we are given charge over belongs to the king. How? For you were bought with a high price. Christ became the substitute. His blood was shed and we were purchased with a high price. So we must honor God with our bodies. I know we often repeat this text. 
this passage of scripture, but it is so real. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself. No worshiper of the sovereign God revealed to us as Jesus Christ belongs to himself. In other words, our life is not our own. We don't have a will of our own. Because we have lay hold on Christ was offered up as a substitute for our sin. Bought with a high price. Paid for fully. Have we ever stopped to wonder how is it that we are paid for owned by God and we have a personal agenda owned by the Lord and we don't ask him what would you have me to do like Paul on the Damascus road met by this glorious revelation light shone fell off his ass heard a voice from heaven responded to that voice Lord he recognized immediately this was no ordinary experience Lord, what will you have me to do? Went on to write about his experience with the Lord, his achievements in this life. Said he considered them as nothing, just solely seeking after the excellency that's found in Christ Jesus. Seeking how to honor God with his body. Stated that he dies daily. He wants to know him and the power of his resurrection. Because he realized that his body is no longer his. He can't serve God with his own agenda. 
He has to focus his mind and what is required of the Lord. Because he's fully convinced that the worshiper life is no longer his own. He's got to pay a tribute. And this is what the cereal offering could be considered. Giving back to God. Giving back to the king. This was something that was used yeah, or was practiced even in ancient days, in these in these times in which we're reading of in Leviticus. For fear of the king, they would offer tributes and gifts. For reverence for the name of the Lord. We surrender our lives in worship and honor to him, which is a pleasing aroma. Our body is the temple of the living God. Let's stop and think about it. That our bodies bought or purchased with a very high price and we no longer own ourselves. We're going to be praying. As we think about Worship to the Lord, our life of dedication, continually coming back to the Lord to rededicate our lives, to enjoy His will, to perform it. So that our worship may go up before him as a sweet smelling aroma let's unmute our microphones as we begin to pray let us rededicate our lives to the Lord our devotion it's not when we feel like offering to the Lord there is a set time in which we make an offering to the Lord not based on feelings but be disciplined enough in our worship and in honor in his name, let us begin to pray. Feel free.